Hey everyone, welcome to episode 6 of The Frustrated Fans. I'm Jeremy. I'm Pete. And today we're here to talk to you about a very special movie. Yes, special. We'll go with that. We're here to talk about Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., a made-for-TV movie from the 90s starring David Hasselhoff as Nick Fury. Yes, Mr. Baywatch himself. We will now wait for the rest of you who haven't already soiled your pants to run to the bathroom. Okay, they're probably back by now. That was quick. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't pee that fast. So, eh, forget about it. Yep. Now, some background movies. This is not Marvel's first time doing uh, TV movies. They did this in the 70s. A bit, actually. Everyone remember tends to remember The Incredible Hulk, which actually turned into a series, but Marvel did a made-for-TV movie, Spider-Man, which sucked. They made a made-for-TV movie, Doctor Strange, which sucked. And they made well, two made-for-TV movies of Captain America. Which sucked. And they're <laughs> in the so-bad-is-good territory, because it's uh. Star Wars Red Brown. So, didn't they do a, a Thor one also, or was he just in the Incredible Hulk? They did a. It was like a sequel to that series, the okay. Hulk series. And yes, Thor showed up. Yeah, I just the only thing I remember of that is I have this image of this really doofy looking dude dressed up in a horrible Thor costume. Yep. But before we get into why this movie definitely falls into kind of the so bad it's good territory. Um, What's your experience growing up with uh, the whole character of Nick Fury and Hitman Comics? Um, I know, well, for Marvel in general, I grew up watching, like, the Spider-Man animated series, the Iron Man and Fantastic Four 90s cartoons, and that's basically where I first got introduced to Nick Fury, because he was, he was partially a regular on Iron Man in the season two of it, and he would show up every now and then in Spider-Man. And I knew him just as, he was a tough guy, he was a badass. There was one episode of Iron Man where the entire Stark compound gets attacked by, uh, like, terrorists, and Nick Fury's jumping out of windows, blasting people, (laughs) and uh, James Rhodes like, that guy's gonna get himself killed. (laughs) Just like, he's just shaking his head. (laughs) <laughs> shocked at uh, this guy, this guy he put, he believed was like a pencil pusher is this badass jumping out of windows and blasting people off the of staircases and stuff. So that's where I first got to see Nick Fury actually being cool. As for me, um, I actually encountered him more in the comics. My brother and I we subscribed to first X Men and then later Spider Man, and Nick has always kind of stayed in the background of the kind of the Marvel comic universe. He's around, doesn't always have his own series, but. When he does show up, it's always usually to great effect. So I knew who Nick Fury was be- almost before I saw him in any kind of animated or live action media. Now he's actually got a really interesting uh, background, character background himself. He was originally created in 1963, his first day debut comic in May of that year, and it was a new line by Marvel called Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos. Let me put it this way. Think of it, all those popular Call of Duty games that take place in World War II, only in the comics. Hmm. World War II comics had been a thing for a long time, especially in World War II themselves. But this was Marvel going back to that era, not even 20 years previous, 
and essentially rehashing it. Now, I, the comic was actually fairly popular, so I'm running some 18 years, which even in the big two, Marvel and DC, uh, a completely in, a completely new line of comics, that's a long time. It went from May of 63 to December of 81. However, and for this line, Nick was essentially – he was there. He was a Sergeant Fury, later Colonel Fury, and commanded this what they called the Howling Commandos. Now, Nick was quickly transitioned over to Fantastic Four in December of 63, even as his character arcs continued to fold out into his own, bo own book. In Fantastic Four, he was a CIA agent and then later became the director and the epitome boss of the newly Christian S.H.I.E.L.D. in August of 1965 under the Marvel line of Strange Tales. From there, we say the rest is history. Nick's always been a constant presence in the Marvel Universe, mostly supporting character in other books. He can, can't be counted on to do what he thinks is right for the world, regulations be darned. But he's equally likely to screw with heroes' heads and look for the next big weapons R&D, even based on hero powers of technology. What scrupulous he does have, they're important to him, but at the same time, he know, he's going to do what he thinks ne needs to be done to get the job done. His most current and arguably famous incarnation comes from the, from the line of ultimate line of Marvel Comics, kind of a secondary universe, if you will where Marvel initially approached Samuel L. Jackson about using his likeness to redesign Fury. Sam agreed, and then when the Marvel Cinematic Universe started about ten years later, they approached Sam again to play Nick Fury in live action. There's an Inception joke here, but I, I'm coming up short. <laughs> yeah, I also remember seeing him... I saw that version of him, the ultimate one, in the two animated movies, Ultimate Avengers 1 and 2, mm -hmm. that they put out of... God, it was wild years ago. Like, but yeah. both of those were good, and he was fun in both of those. Mm -hmm. so. Yep, so in the 90s, during a... You know, 90s were actually a pretty decent time for comic book movies, and then they got run into the ground, well, and Batman and Robin murdered it, but... Well, I will... Are you sure it wasn't Howard the Duck or Steel? Well, Howard the Duck was 80s. Oh, my mistake. Steel, then. Yeah. Steel and Batman and Robin kind of tag-teamed it. And then, in my opinion, they started getting good again with Blade in 1998. Mm-hmm. Blade, the first Blade movie was just awesome. Yes, it was. And speaking of Blade, and color me surprised when I saw who the writer for this movie was. Well, let's go over the credits here. Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., it was... What year did this come out? Uh, this was... I know it was in the 90s. It was 1998. Yep, 98. So, directed by Rod Hardy. Uh, was produced by uh, Avi Arad, and I apologize, people, if I'm mispronouncing your name. Written by David S. Goyer. Yep, for those of you who go, wait a minute, I've heard that name before. Yes, he, he's done a few really, you know, kind of smaller movies. See things like Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises, Man of Steel. Man of Steel. Oh, and he's I'm sorry, that's Man of... Let's blow up the crap out of Metropolis. Man of Fail. Yeah. Um, he also wrote... Oh, he did the screenplay and story for Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Mm -hmm. uh, he also worked on all three Blade movies. Including directing the last. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, so for... Uh, I, I like this as a good dig towards everyone who loved uh, the new Batman movies. Yeah, he also wrote this thing. 
Now, in addition to the Mr. David Hasselhoff, we also have starring in this movie Lisa Rena, Sandra Hess, Neil Roberts, Gary Chalk, Tracy Waterhouse, Tom McBeath, and Ron Canada, with a few other extras as needed. Yeah. So the basic premise for this movie is Nick Fury's retired. He they're not completely straight about it either. He quit Shield or they booted his ass out. They're not really straight up about it. Um, and but Shield comes to him and goes, "Hey, Hydra's back. They just stole the body of Baron Wolfgang von Strucker, and they're taking out, they're taking this weird pathogen out of him called the Death's Head virus, and we need you to stop him." But let's keep getting into this after a break, shall we? Sounds good. Let us rock! Let us roll! Alright, and we're back. So where were we? Ah, uh, yeah, talking about the plot. Yep, or lack of. So, Baron Von Strucker, one of the original enemies in the Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos line, is semi-pretty—he's dead. Better than a doornail, but his body's been frozen and held by S.H.I.E.L.D. Yep. However... And when you see him, yeah, he's, like, all decrepit and half-decomposed, and most likely just because of the virus that he was infected with. Virus? I thought it was Botox. Too much Botox. You may laugh, but you know what? People (laughs) People get really messed up from Botox overdose. I mean, it's a crisis on your end of the country, right? Well, this is true. And that would explain... You know what? That would explain the aliens in Star Trek Insurrection. They didn't... They weren't dying of disease. They just had way too much Botox. Oh. Okay, then. So, so Baron von Strucker's on ice, and we're told that his death was ultimately created by a a biological weapon known as the, quote, death head, death head virus, created by Hydra, which was more or less the opposite of S.H.I.E.L.D., as cheesy as it is, the best way to compare this for people who are not familiar with the comics, S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA are the Joes and Cobra, effectively. Okay. Just maybe a little less um, cartoonish. <laughs> well, not in this movie, but... Point well taken. <laughs> in this movie, they're pretty cartoonish. Yeah. But fortunately, yep, so. you don't have... Fortunately, they didn't... Uh, I was going to make a dig at the G.I. Joe movies. Never mind. A board joke. <laughs> a board joke. <laughs> and they didn't have The Rock. Right. So You smell what the Joes are cooking. Von Strucker's daughter, Andreas, and her brother, Warner, quickly start reconsolidating the, what broke, what, the fragments of Hydra that are spread around the world into one force. And they're going, they're essentially, they essentially kidnap their father's corpse to try and reconstruct the Death Heads virus which was originally made by a doctor named Arnim Sola, and they're threatened to, uh, well, why not attack Manhattan with it, barring a payment of $1 billion from the United States. Yep. Insert your insert your uh, own um, Austin Powers joke here. So what you're saying, what they're doing is very evil? Something to that degree. Yep, and they kidnap the body in the beginning, and... By, and in doing so, they also kill a really cool guard who we find out was actually Nick Fury's best buddy, Clay Quartermain. And he only had one more day to retirement. Yep. But he gets to go out like a badass. The, the very first thing you'll notice in this movie is everything is ridiculously over the top. 
when it's well, okay, the best parts of this movie are ridiculously over the top. Either the acting in this movie is wooden as hell or goofy. This guy falls into the second category where he's just sort of commenting on uh, Baron von Strucker's corpse when one of his fellow guards, who's actually a Hydra agent, shoots him right in the stomach and he falls over all dramatically. Whoops. But, ball to your gut. Yep. But he gets back up, hits the alarm, walks out into a hallway after everyone else has been knocked out with really goofy-looking gas, picks up, a, picks up a pistol as a bunch of guys with machine guns are rushing him, and shouts... Let us rock. Let us roll! And just starts mowing them down. Okay, where did the... Who lost this guy from the WWE? That's what I want to know. I don't know. But, God, this this is the first moment of the movie that was actually really good. And unfortunately, it's kind of crap short, like, for a while after this. But when I first was watching this, I saw this guy. I just started cracking up. I'm like, who is this guy? And they we find out he's actually best friend of Nick Fury. And the guy who played him is Adrian Hughes, which he really hasn't done a whole lot. This is probably his uh, time to shine. So. so what S.H.I.E.L.D. does is they go after, they go find Nick Fury, and they go, we need, to help, we need you to help us. And, they, and he goes, well, I don't give a crap, but they killed your friend. Where's my gun? Short way to put it, but yes. Yeah, which brings me to something about this movie. There's a lot of weird similarities between this movie and Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. Shh, we don't want the audience to realize that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Is first off, Hasselhoff seems to be doing a Kurt Russell impression throughout the entire film. Fury is set up to be exact, almost exactly like Snake Plissken. He's a bit of a burnout. He left the military, brought in because he's the only one who can help. He's got the gruff voice, and he's constantly trying to smoke. Not to mention the fact that his very first costume is gray pants, black shirt, and leather jacket. Yeah, that doesn't look like Snake Plissken at all. Of course not. So Nick's brought aboard the helicarrier, and oh, oh god... Now, if you saw the Avengers, you know what I'm talking – or the recent Captain America 2, you know what I'm talking about when you say a helicarrier. For those who haven't seen the, it's basically a carrier that flies. With, and, and granted, 1998 was kind of the very early days of CGI, and I'm not even sure if this is CGI or just one giant map painting. Uh, it looks like it's moving when they zoom on it, zoom in on it sometimes. Like, there's parts of it that are moving, so I, I'm not sure. Maybe it's like a big toy they put up in front of a green screen. My point is, they, whereas the Hellcarrier in the Avengers movie actually, like, tried to incorporate some aerodynamic design with the basic, you know, waterborne carrier, this is yeah. literally a aircraft carrier <laughs> playing on a big platform with four massive jet engines at- attached to it with their thrust directed up. And, and propellers on top, too. Yeah. It's pretty goofy looking. Now, to be fair, this is the 90s, and this was a made-for-TV movie, and the whole thing reeks of cheap. Like, the whole movie reeks of of cheap. It's a made-for-TV movie. I can can forgive some, I admit. Yeah. And so, after Nick Fury's introduced to a bunch of MacGuffins on the ship, 
including a gun that he's told, oh, you're the only one that can use this gun. If anyone else tries it, that's the end of them. So we we know that will show up later on in the movie. Did the most most recent Bond, Skyfall, Mm -hmm. copy from Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.? (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, this is like a cliche in so many movies. Okay, okay. David Goyer did use this in Blade 1, where, you know, they touch the sword and, like, the blades pop out of it. And so, of course, later on, this one dude's waving around goes like, hey, I got his pig sticker, and there goes his hand. Okay, okay, I'll forgive that. But strange how that, my, uh, that's where my mind ran to. The other major piece of technology that's one been very common in comics is what they call the Life Model Decoy, or LMD. For the uninitiated in comics, this is basically a android that Shield can make that looks can they can make like look like anyone, has the same vocal patterns and inflections, and they basically can send in to kind of stand for the person when needed. Yep. Even hooking up a kind of remote transmitter so the real person can transmit it to their L and D to act for them. Yeah, and. This one decided to take the image of a really, really creepy, like, model duplicate of David Hasselhoff. Like, when they put this thing together, it's sitting there. They didn't try to make a CG thing or try to do, like, a double screen effect where it's, like, you know, him in two different locations. No, this is animatronics. Oh, my God, it's the most frightening-looking thing in the movie. Ugh. It was... Just nasty looking, especially when they show close-ups of them shoving, like, wires up its nose and stuff. And, and I don't want to see this. <sighs> but it's a, it's a Chekhov's gun, or MacGuffin, or oh, I don't yeah, even know my tropes too. anymore. Point yeah, is, both, it shows up later. Yeah, the Chekhov's guns, okay. which both of them are. Because they both show up later in the movie, and I called it. The minute I saw these, I'm like, well, that's going to show up later on. Right. And lo and behold, they do. Okay, so the basic plot of the movie is the Von Struckers are reconstructing this virus to unleash on Manhattan unless they get a ransom, and it's Nick Fury's job to stop them. Now, before the Struckers can rebuild the virus, they get we get introduced that we are told that there's one more villain that they need, Arnim Zola, um, who is a expert geneticist, cloner, and and cloner, and honestly, they got this character pretty right, even from the comics. Where usually Zola has a lot more ambition on his own than this guy does. Like, he's willing to strike off on his own and be a supervillain in his own right. Mm-hmm. But this is kind of his basic set. He's a Nazi, I guess in this case ex-Nazi, and this is his kind of his main gig. Now, does he a better version of this character? Watch the Captain America movies. Yes. Agreed. But this one is a little bit more um, cartoonish. Hey, but at least they didn't give him his android body with his face in his chest. So. <laughs> oh, God. So he was crying. Oh, God. He was crying before <laughs> crying was a thing, yes. Yeah. So. Yep. So, and then, before this, we're introduced, we're properly introduced to the main villain of this movie, Viper. Who is Baron a- Andreas von Strucker? Her yeah. Struck, Baron von Strucker's daughter. Yep. Who's played by Sandra Hess? If you don't know who that is, that's understandable. She hasn't exactly been in anything huge. The main, the 
what you might know her from is Mortal Kombat Annihilation. She played Sonya Blade in that movie. So this is a However, step up for her. Yes. Oh. It, it actually is. And, you know, we're going to talk about her. We're going to go into a little bit of depth here right after a quick break. Uh, Colonel, there's a nice smoking on board the helicarrier at New World Health Regulations. What? Speak up, Pierce. My ears just popped. Okay, Andrea von Strucker, a.k.a. Viper, in this movie. Um, this is actually a combination of two characters from the comics. And, and to borrow from Linkara, comic history you didn't know, but you need to know to understand this. Okay, um, both characters are obviously very big high-level Hydra agents in the comics, but they're not exactly the same. I mean, I'm not complaining here. It's actually a pretty logical choice to make Andreas von Strucker here Viper. But Viper on her own in the comics, she's a high-level assassin, sometimes known for using toxins, and she's kind of like a very high-level Hydra agent. Kind of the, like the evil Black Widow, so to speak. Whereas Andrea von Strucker, she is a very, in the comics, she's kind of a very squicky... Um, Mutant. She's a kind of a manufactured mutant with her brother, Andreas von Strucker, and they have a mutant power that allows them energy manipulation only when they're touching, and they touch each other. We're talking a Lannister level of incest in the comics. Wonderful. Yes. So For those of you who are wondering, no, that is not in this movie. Although, arguably implied. Yeah. So. Very much implied, but. I was actually expecting that to happen, and I didn't even know anything about the history of these two characters. Well, I had to look more of it up on it, to be fair, later on myself. Mm. So, so she is actually the best part of this entire movie. Yeah. Now, in um in one of the nostalgia critic comment commentaries, Doug Walker mentioned that every bad movie has almost every bad movie has one character. That you know that stands out that is almost makes the movie worth watching alone, you know whether it's Jack Black in Neverending Story three or the character Komodo in Warriors of Virtue. Well, Viper is essentially like the Komodo of this movie. She overacts, she mugs into the camera, and just acts goofy the entire time. Delicious For actor ham. <laughs> oh yeah. She doesn't just chew on the scenery. She just devours it. In the very first scene where she actually gets to do, like, a monologue, she contacts all the different uh, lieutenants of Hydra in different countries. And the first thing she does, she, as they ask, like, what's the meaning of this? She whirls around and points, at the, points dramatically at the TVs with her pinky, which has an exceptionally long fingernail for no real given reason, and just starts... Hamming it up. She's nuts. She then shows off, like, oh, here's your lieutenant from London. He didn't want to join us. Now watch what happens. She whirls around, pulls out this weird-looking gun with four barrels, and starts shooting him while laughing and looking like she's orgasming. In other words, Xenia on the top. Oh, my God. She's just nuts. This entire movie, she it just gets goofier 
and goofier. And I have a feeling that even the director realized that this was going to be the standout part of the movie. But there's a scene where they purposely zoom in on her grinning like a goofball. Mm-hmm. To be honest, if she had acted like this in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, it might have made that movie a lot better. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, it's it's. Ter- I mean, it's not good acting. No, at all. It's not good. But almost every other character in this movie is just more wooden than a giant oak tree. So it's like a burst of energy into what is otherwise just like a bland and boring and just bleh movie. So, essentially, um, at this point, we're t- we're, we've introduced all the major players, and we learned that Arnim Zola is under S.H.I.E.L.D. custody, so they send Nick to protect him. It doesn't go very well. Nope. Nick meets an Interpol agent who... Oh, okay. I'm gonna... No. Who cares about spelling? It's Viper in disguise. And yep. <laughs> and we get another great scene of her overacting, because she has, like, a fake face mask thing on, and she kisses Nick Fury and drugs him with it, and he goes, who are you? And so all of a sudden, she pay- takes out, like, this spray, sprays her face while grinning and twirling her head around, <laughs> and rips off this face mask, and just mugs into the camera. The whole point of this is not only to give her more mugging time, it's basically <laughs> to give Nick a time limit. She's poisoned him with a very potent toxin that's going to kill him in, was it, 36 hours? 48 yeah, something like that, which, for those of you keeping score, this is uh, Escape from New York, uh, parallel number, I think, 10. Mm-hmm. Which, as a switch, though, he's poisoned by the villain instead of the U.S. government. So, at least that much. At least it's not S.H.I.E.L.D. going like, all right, Fury, now you have to stop them. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, they go back to, after screwing up, they go back to S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters, because that's the main thing in this movie, is they leave, they go back, they leave, they go back. God, it's like that episode of Gargoyles all over again. Um, they get back, and a the, of course, the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. hates Dick Fury and wants to yell at him and everything, because this movie is a cliche fest. Oh, if you're wondering where Michael Bay got his bureaucratic uh, nerdy nerd character, probably here. Yeah, pretty much. So Nick Fury looks over and sees what looks like the director's shield walking towards him. He grabs a gun and shoots him out 18 times. We find out it's a LMD who walks to the center of the room, opens its mouth, and all of a sudden starts projecting Viper's spinning head out of his mouth. And she starts mugging it up as she's spinning around. This is... I honestly don't even remember what she was saying because I was laughing the entire time. It was basically money or I released the virus. The man oh, at that point. Okay. And when the duplicate finishes projecting her, it just melts into a puddle. And the director she looks at you and goes, how'd you know which one of us to shoot? And when I went, I just was watching this went, I didn't. He went, I didn't. And then walked away and then walks away. Okay. That's another thing about this movie. It is incredibly cliched. Oh, God. Yes, it is. Almost everything in this movie has been done before. 
in other movies, in better movies. That's not to say it's bad, but it's predictable to a T. Yeah. There are no su- real surprises. Yeah. So, of course, they tell Nick Fury, you're not allowed to leave because you're, si- you know, you've got a virus in you and we'll figure it out ourselves. So, of course, Nick Fury leaves with a couple other people. Right. Yep. And they find out that the villains have split up and Werner von Strucker, the son, it has a set of missiles that have the virus in them and Viper's at her base hamming it up. So they send one team off to kill Werner and stop the missiles. And meanwhile, Nick Fury, who's not even been ordered to do so, and they'll just assume he'll get the job done, goes there with a psychic and the... Oh, yes, I almost forgot about the rookie. There is a British S.H.I.E.L.D. rookie in this movie that's a complete moron True. the entire film. And Nick kind of... Nick's- He's going to the cliche. He's annoyed with him at first, but he kind of takes him under his wing by the end. Yep. So. And he even gets a scene where you think he's going to actually do something good. He They see a guard, and he goes, Yeah, I can do this. And he sneaks up on him, hits the guy on the back of the neck, hurts his own hand, and the guard knocks him to the floor. So. At this point, you just play the... Burr, burr, burr. Music. Oh, the fail music from uh, Price is Right. Yep. I would rather I'd rather reference Spaceballs. Like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yep. So they get captured, and they throw Fury and them into what, like, is a big refrigeration unit. And he goes, "This is great. My my, the virus is giving me a fever, but it's cold in here, so I'm all evened out now." <laughs> it doesn't work like that. There's only one prescription for his fever. <laughs> What's that? An obvious joke that I, I'm sure everyone's already thought of. <laughs> Murder. I was going to say more cowbell, but that works too. Okay. <laughs> so, the, the other team finds Werner von Strucker. I don't know if it's Werner or Werner. I'm just going to keep alternating between the two. They find him, and there's a guard which... All the soldiers in this movie look really weird. Either they're wearing stuff over their heads so you can't see their faces, and I'm assuming the actors can't see anything through this stuff, or they look, they have white skin, white pale skin with sunglasses on, so they look like the Orgman from Gungrave. Okay. Well, to be fair, um, the basic Hydra outfit in the comics is green. Mm-hmm. With red goggles and a green helmet, and, and yeah, it's 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 not the epitome of stealth. That that would have been an improvement over what was in this movie. It really would have. True, but we'll get to this after after a break. Dressing shield director Czech Pinter, listen carefully. Death head virus has been said to explode somewhere in Manhattan. You have until 6 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time tomorrow to assemble one billion U.S. dollars. So team number two goes to stop Werner, and one of his guards is just throwing a ball, like a super ball, up against a wall repeatedly. He tells the guard to stop it. The guard looks at him and continues doing it because... You can't hire good help these days. Yeah, I guess it's supposed to be funny... But Sandra Hess has already 
taken all the funny of this movie and kept it for herself. So nobody else is going to be comedic. And as the guy bounces the ball one more time, a grenade drops down in front of him. And in typical stupid bad guy faction, he just looks at it and goes, hey, that's a boom! Which, by the way, the grenades in this movie suck. They put off like a little puff of smoke and some sparks. They're movie grenades, it's to be expected. Oh, God, they're terrible. So they shoot up all, like, shield soldiers come in, they shoot up all the Hydra soldiers, and Werner von Strucker is there. He's got his hands on the remote for the missiles, even though the blast will probably affect where they are, too. And he was like, you can't stop me. And so one of the shield agents says, not unless I shoot you first, giggles. Which, this guy has done almost nothing throughout the entire movie. All of a sudden, he giggles and has a pair of buck teeth. What? So Maybe he was a secret him. reference to Mole Man, the Fantastic Four villain? Maybe. God. So, she shoots him in the head and he's gone. Yay. That happened. So, Bucky oh. is done. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at uh, Hydra headquarters, we find out that the missiles are actually on a remote, so them attacking where the missiles are does pretty much nothing. Why did she send Werner anyway? I don't no, know. No, I'm serious. If she loves her brother and all that, why didn't she just... Well, she's actually. they actually say to her, like, you realize he's going to die too, and she goes, you say that like I care. Uh. <laughs> she doesn't... I don't think she really cares. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'm calling it. Cersei Lannister here, people, for the those of you invested in Game of Thrones. Yep. So, Fury uh, attacks Viper. She shoots him like three or four times, laughs and gets off on it. And then Fury walks in and punches her because it was the LMD. Wow. Oh, and Ar- it's another or in a yep. or. It and was then, uh, essentially Scott Pilgrim after he gets everyone up. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then Zola picks up Fury's gun and goes, Ha ha! You thought because I was an old man I couldn't do anything! And Fury goes, I wouldn't do that. He goes, Why not? He pulls the trigger, the gun twists around, electrocutes him. You know, this guy's in a wheelchair, by the way. And you see the wheelchair fly backwards and fall right off a ledge. Which, you only see the wheelchair. You actually don't, there's no actor sitting in it when it does this, if you look carefully. Uh. There's nobody in the wheelchair. So, both Chekhov's guns have fired. Uh, They strap Viper up. They tie Viper up. They get the code. They stop the missiles. Yay. As they're they're taking her blood so they can cure Fury, she goes, I'll see you in hell for this. Fury then walks over to her, gets in her face, and says, we'll do lunch, and then walks away. Yeah, we didn't forget. We kind of forgot to mention the whole reason Fury goes out into the field is... Viper's blood is the only thing that could will have a, that might have a cure. Dun dun dun. But you know he gets it. Yeah. You know, was there any doubt? So. Yeah, exactly. And so, the very end, they're all back on the helicarrier, and Fury's back in Shield, and goes, you know, I think I'll stick around. You people need me, and it's a big happy ending. Or and is then it? They, yeah. So right before they leave, Viper gets away with Von Strucker's corpse. So after they're like, oh, it's all over, they cut to Viper talking with Baron Von Strucker, who is now alive, looking no worse for the wear, and the two of them laugh like maniacs as the credits start to roll. I guess Nick didn't see that coming, did he? <laughs> ah! I'm not the only one who can yep. make Street Fighter references. 
wait, I think I was supposed to so, say but at the end of this F. movie, I just went, at the end of this movie, I just went, quick, change the channel! <laughs> yeah, yeah so, we like bad movies. Yep, so this movie ends with a te- teaser for a sequel that was never made because I don't think anybody liked this. I think it tanked. Well, it shows on Fox, and we all know how good Fox is promoting actually good material. Yeah. Case in point, Family Guy, still on Sundays. Oh. I thought it ended by now. No. Cleveland Show's dead, though. Eh. I never watched it. You didn't miss anything. You missed two good jokes amongst Four or five seasons. Well, Futurama got canceled. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, they also got four movies and got extended out into two 26 uh, episode or like, no, it was 52 episode long seasons or something. Very true. So, anyway, we're four. getting off topic. So, yeah. right. honestly, where do we yeah. begin? Where do we start with the end here? Um, well, we can talk about the actors in this movie, like the more notable names okay. and people. So Hasselhoff There's, himself. Yep. Who, for those of you who were living under a rock in the 80s and 90s, he's mainly known for Baywatch and Knight Rider, neither of which I have watched. I watched some Baywatch as a kid, and I didn't get it at the time because, you know, Harmon's hadn't set in yet. So I was just like, why do people <laughs> think this is a good show? Yeah. And to be honest, I really doubt the guys were the people who did watch Baywatch I really doubt they're watching it for David Hasselhoff no so, so I mean is he a bad actor Meh, he's okay he's certainly yeah. a B-list but I think a lot can be blamed here what bad directing yeah bad script bad directing I mean they don't really give him much to work with so I mean it, you can tell he's kind of trying but yeah there's Sandra Hess, as we've said. She's not a good actor in this movie, but she's the most entertaining person in the entire film. And she's probably the only one having fun. Yeah, you can tell she was just... Like I said, if you ever look up clips from the movie Warriors of Virtue, there's a character named Komodo. You'll, look, you'll find it on YouTube. There's like a best of of him. This guy was... The guy who played him just went completely bonkers for the half the flick. And that's pretty much what Sandra Hess does in this movie. She just goes, you know what? I'm going to have some fun with this and goof around. And you can tell that, like, the director enjoyed it because he would zoom in on her mugging. They would make sure you got every single shot of her goofing off. Right. Yeah. There's Adrian Hughes, who plays Clay at the very beginning. I don't really have much to say about him other than that one scene at the beginning with him shooting down the guards was pretty awesome. So he gets the first, like, standout moment of the film. And then there is Gary Chalk. Yep. Optimus Primal. So, yeah. Yeah. Chalk actually puts on a decent performance in this movie. You can tell he's kind you know, he's actually kind of trying to do a good job. It's mainly hampered by the fact that the writing sucks. You know, it's not really his fault. And voice actors are actually pretty good live-action actors with the few times they do get to do it. So Yeah. He's a good actor. You know, he's a good actor, definitely a great voice actor. Just look at anything from Beast Wars or Beast Machines, or I know he played Optimus Prime in a couple of the other animated shows. Okay. You know, he's a good actor. He's just got stuck in a bad part right. in a bad movie. Ron Canada. He's been in a lot of stuff. 
I don't think he's ever been like a main act, like a main character in anything. But he's a good actor. He's been in three of the Star Trek spinoffs. I mainly remember him as a Klingon lawyer in Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. He was really good in that episode. Um, and along with Gary Chalk, he seems to be the only other actor really trying. And again, he does a good job. It's just the writing sucks. So he's a good actor. He's just in a bad movie. Lastly, Lisa Rinna, who played... Uh... Oh, she was Contessa Valentina de Allegro Fontaine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah you're she... actually going to remember... No, she's a psychic. So. Yeah, uh, she's... Eh? yeah, She's a soap opera actress before this. Yeah. So... She's terrible. Her delivery is flat. She's boring. Her character does suck. But, okay, why do they put an actress mainly known for soap operas and guest roles in bad sitcoms in a comic book action flick? So she's not, very, she's not a very good actor, and she's horribly miscast. So that two wrongs don't make a right. Right. All right. We'll discuss final opinions in just... Let me see you in hell for this. We'll do lunch. Okay. So, final opinions here. I'll start. Okay. Um, I can't hate it. Yeah, it's cheesy. Yeah, it's bad. But you know what? I'm a sucker for comic book media. That's not to say I don't have some discerning taste. I'll probably never watch Superman Brainiac Attacks again, unless it's for this podcast. <laughs> oh, dear. I just cheated always... myself, didn't I? <laughs> I've only seen, like, a couple clips of that. Oh. I just mainly remember Lex Luthor having the nerdiest, geekiest, stupid voice actor. Wait. What? I don't think it was, uh, what's his, what's his name? Clancy Brown? Like, I don't think that was Clancy Brown. Either that or he just didn't give a damn. Well, we'll come to it when we cover it, and I know we will. Now, Well, now that you've said it, that's a really good idea. We'll make it a future episode, certainly. <laughs> Why should you have to suffer through it alone? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, well, well, Pete cries in the corner. <laughs> um, so, again, I can't hate this movie. Nick Fury's had a really varied past as a character. It just all depends on his writer. Whereas he's between badass, take no prisoners, versus jerk with a heart of gold. So, can I blame Hasselhoff for bad acting? Okay, a little. But ultimately... Uh, what keeps me coming back to this is definitely Sandra, because she is just, uh, she's a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm pretty similar. It's a bad movie. The acting is bad. The story is even worse. The dialogue is cliched garbage, and the effects look like crap. Damn you, Helicarrier. Yeah, and it's not even that. Like I said, the, the grenades going off look like it's a bunch of sparks and some smoke. Like, this is a and, and I know it's a made-for-TV film, but dear God, like they could have they could have done a little bit better. Maybe cut out a few of it. Maybe not have the robot guy with the hologram shooting out of his mouth. I don't know. Well, no, wait, don't take that away. That was a funny scene. Uh-huh. The only thing that really elevates this movie for me was Sandra Hess. As bad as the rest of this movie is, as cliched it is, I'm almost willing to recommend it just for her. 
like I said, she reminds me of Komodo from Warriors of Virtue with wacky facial expressions. She's over the top, pointing her pinky at everything. She, she is just so much fun to watch. At the very least, I'm going to recommend people go on YouTube and try to find if there's like a montage of clips of her. Um, is there's got to be a collection. Uh, is, uh, the, the other reason why I probably wouldn't recommend this movie is, I don't know if anyone's aware of this, the DVD is 50 freaking bucks. We, uh, it's pretty easy to find online on various video, common video sharing websites. Yeah, apparently it got like a limited release only at Best Buy's. On DVD, from what I from what I've read, so that's why they're it's it's basically it's rarity, not quality. Yeah. We found it online, um, and yeah, so wasn't that hard? Yep, and it also I think they replay it on shows because when I found it online, it had the Encore Movies logo in the bottom right corner. Right. <laughs> it's not at, it's not like atrociously terrible. I mean, this thing is it's no Batman and Robin. It's not Superman four. And I haven't seen it, but I really doubt it's as heinous as, like, Catwoman. Oh, God, I don't know if we can do that one. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, oh, no. Um, if you people donate money to us, then maybe we'll no, do No, 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 no donations. I don't want to put, I don't want, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't want to be bound to do, do a particular movie. Sorry. Yep. Um, but to be honest, there's nothing really good about it. There are moments that are so bad it's good, like, any any scene that Sandra Hess in it is in, yeah, it's so bad it's good. Or when Werner von Strucker does his little giggle and has the two buck teeth that literally comes right the hell out of nowhere, makes absolutely no sense, and then they shoot him in the head, so that's the end of it. But yeah, it, it's it's entertaining at points. It's a bad movie though. So yeah, if you if you enjoy semi campy bad movies and just want to see and are just intrigued because we've talked about Sandra Hess so much in this, then yeah, go for it. Two points I want to bring up. Uh, first, if you, if those of you who are going through our archives, if you just listen to episodes four and five and then rushed out to see Gargoyles online on Disney Tunes YouTube, <laughs> unfortunately, for reasons that have not been made public, Disney has taken down their Disney Tunes account. So Gargoyles is no longer online. At least legally. Yeah. So, uh, though with with gargoyles, I would recommend people you know what buy the DVDs because it is a show that is worth that's a show that's worth supporting. Even though season two, volume two, is the most bare bones, crummy, bootleg quality DVD set, it's still worth getting because at least the video quality is good. Yeah. You haven't seen the four set of Batman films you can get for ten bucks at Targets. Oh no, the Burton and I'll put it this ones, Those are bare bones. Oh, yeah, no. I, I'll put it this way. I have a – way before Marvel actually did put it out on DVD, I had a I have a bootleg Iron Man uh, from the Iron Man cartoon. I have the bootleg DVDs of it that I bought at Comic-Con, and that thing has more content than the Disney Volume 2 of Gargoyles. I see. They even – that bootleg set actually included – not only an episode of Spider-Man that had Iron Man in it, but it also included the episode from The Incredible Hulk with Iron Man in it. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, with Gargoyles, go buy the DVDs. It's worth it's worth owning, especially for the first two DVD sets because they have commentaries of behind-the-scenes stuff. The other part I want to mention is our website is finally online. Woo! Yeah. Um, the, our web address is frustratedpodcast.com. 
So. Yep, and we are, of course, live on iTunes. And Facebook. Yep, and Facebook. And we actually are going to – we are putting the episodes up on our website first, so go to the website, check it out. It's not complicated at the moment, but it's going to be – it's going to build. And, yeah, tell your friends, tell your coworkers. Or just else. No, hell, no, no. Hell, just start playing it, open up all your windows, and turn up the volume. <laughs> you know what? Just do that. I don't care. However, you got to get other people to listen to it. Lock your friends in your car and make them listen to it. No, no, no. Let's not have anyone commit any crimes. Come on. I'm not talking about crimes. You can sit in the car with them. All right. So we'll wrap this up, folks. It's been a pleasure, as always, and we'll see you next time as we stay in the comic book superhero movie genre with Ben Affleck's Daredevil. Yep. So see you next time, everyone. Take care. I have walked through the fires of hell, looked into the face of the beast. <laughs>